What does the moment mean to you, Andy? It means a lot. I could kiss you right now, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Live at the Thomas and Mac for UNLV versus San Jose State, it's Cofield and Company. What's coming, Mahomes? It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go, Thomas and Mac on Valentine's Day. Adam Hill is here. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We're getting ready for another UNLV basketball game against San Jose. 7 o'clock tip. 7 o'clock tip. The game will be right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 and 100.9 FM. Uh, Kansas City, still jubilant. Andy Reid wanted to kiss people. Boy, that Greg Olson's good, isn't he? I mean, so good. We'll get into Greg Olson later on because apparently he's due a pay cut. So the uh, fake Greg Olson fans are going to be all pissed off on social media about that one. So what's going on, Adam? Not much. It's a uh, it's a day that we expected for a long time, and it's finally here. So, uh, a lot of interesting football news around the valley for sure, and uh, it snowed. So, what is what is going on? I have no idea, but it is a, a weird day in the Las Vegas Valley for sure, and uh, I'm sure one that will be remembered for a while. The day that you know the Raiders officially did what everybody expected and released Derek Carr, and it snowed. We'll get the car in uh, just a couple minutes, and throughout the show, we're gonna have uh, Football Insider. From Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons will be up a little later on. But we do want to talk about possible replacements for Derek Carr because, as Adam said, officially he's bye-bye. We'll give you all the details on that. But um, we had quite the discussion yesterday about when Aaron Rodgers was going into the dark room to cleanse, his four-day cleanse. And I don't know who had their source right. I I don't know. We were told it was yesterday. Now you're telling me it's Wednesday? Hold on. I, I said it was not yesterday. If you remember, so if we want to say sources, uh, it sounds like it's now Friday. Oh, really? It sounds like Friday's the day. But it was what I said is it was not yesterday. I thought it was going to be Wednesday, but I knew the reports that it was yesterday were inaccurate. So uh, we can, I guess, take half credit for that and say it wasn't yesterday, but it sounds well, like it's going to be Friday. Um, this morning, uh, Ari wanted to pull Willie saying it was Monday, and then I was like, well, if Willie's listening, he might get – a little annoyed with us, but yesterday I don't, I I think his source was People.com on Rogers going into the dark room on Monday. But it's you, how, you, you, like it was... you you came back with basically I know Pat McAfee who's buddies with Rogers. I know AJ Hawk who's buddies with Rogers. I was told it's not Monday, yeah. and we went round and round for a couple minutes, and then you know I'm looking online this morning and I'm like he's not in the dark room yet. Yeah, I mean we that was our. I think our take yesterday was he's doing McAfee Tuesday before he goes in. It's not Monday. And it sounds like there was some NFL insiders that were also maybe wrong on this because uh, Aaron Rodgers this morning did a bit of a mini rant against guys like Rappaport and Schefter uh, and quote-unquote insiders and said, hey, they do a great job, but they do not have sources connected to me. I guarantee you that. And if anybody is a source of theirs that is connected to me, I promise you that they are not actually close to me. Okay. I mean – it's a good message to send out there. Yeah. So I think he's sending it both to insiders and people around him that, hey, if you 
think that you know me well enough to speak to the media about me, you probably do not know me the way right. you think you do. You don't know me. If you don't know me by now, you'll yes. never, never, never know me. Wow, that's a good one. I hope we have uh, Simply Red. Is it? I don't know. I think. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> it's I think. It's it, old is, it, is, it is old. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I hope right. we don't have that one. I like Valentine's Day for the you definitely, music selection, but... You definitely don't, not, don't want Willie mad at you either. That's for sure. No! Wait, is that an original? And then it was redone? Maybe that's it. Maybe it was covered. Because I feel like it definitely was a more pop. There's a more popular version than that one. Let's see. If you don't know me by now. You'll never know. No, yeah, he's right. Simply red. <laughs> okay. I mean, I know, source, I, know, I, know I, I know a little bit. We're having a lot of source problems on this show. <laughs> Sources. Sources say Harold and the Blue Nose. <laughs> You're right. It, 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 very Ari, Ari's correct. It could be a cover. Sure. Our music fans out there, I'm sure they'll tell us. Have Steve Cofield, got, Adam Hill, every RJ. I, we got corrected by our movie fans yesterday because uh, I had On said uh, I had mentioned uh, Ben Affleck's accent in Gone Girl, right? Uh, and I was very correctly um, corrected, very quickly and promptly corrected uh, that it was The Town, which is absolutely true. That was the movie I was thinking of. Yeah, that's sure. what I thought it was too. But you know, none of us. We have five people in studio. None of us can actually look it up at that point. Well. We had a couple of moments yesterday. Didn't Willie ask us? Like he threw something out, and we just looked at him like, "No idea." Oh, it was, wasn't it the Syrian? Like, didn't Syrian? Why he was crying? And and I, like, I always tell everyone on the show, do not ask a question if you don't know the answer, right? Because you will just mom. get because you'll get silence. I'm not I'm not jumping on board. I have no I had no idea what the deal was with Syrian. He's just a crybaby. I mean, we are the kings of answering something, and we still don't know. Sure, I do that all the time. Apparently, he said that the moment just got to him. There was nothing. Willie? I think Sirianni. Oh, Sirianni. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Willie, too. It was a big show. Yeah. I was playing more national anthems today at home, and I got yelled at. <laughs> Why? Because uh, I was looking on TikTok for something, and um, I was looking for Cheryl Lee Ralph, and that uh, national anthem with Cher came up, and I started watching it, and I was playing it for the SO, and she's like, as I played it from, like, upstairs, she's downstairs, and then... I was like, yeah, I've, I, you know, you want to hear something cool? She's like, is it another national anthem? Because no. I'm like, all right. <laughs> there has been a lot. Of the, that was the end of you that. You have been playing a lot of them. Well, because I, I yesterday. down your top 20 yesterday. Yesterday I wanted to rank them. And after Whitney Houston's uh, national anthem rendition, I watched every single one since. And I just, I had a lot yesterday. I watched a lot. And I was very much into it. For the, for, this is not a commentary on the country. It's more, it's, it's just a musical comment that I've made before. Like, it's a trash song. It just is. And so I, I think if I think if done well, it's it can be an inspiring song. Obviously, the the longer version of the song has some real crap in it. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the whole issue is people have weaponized it, and they want to judge others. No, and, I'm, I'm, and they want to play games with it. And but but, you, but you're right. From as far as a song, yeah, it's not an easy song to do. It's not an awesome song. People not, have their connections to it. It's not audibly pleasing in any way. It's, it, it's a I, song. I agree with you. The Canadian yeah. national anthem is very inspiring. It is. It's much more beautiful. The Canadian national anthem is my valentine. I was going to make a joke about I was going to make a joke about Nikolai uh, Volkov back in the eighties. Sure, the Russian national anthem. D- doing the fake Russian national anthem uh, that was beautiful, but it was fake. Borat with the Kazakh national anthem That's, as well. That's yeah. a good one. Yes, those are more audibly pleasing than the trash anthem that we produced in the seventeen hundreds. So Raiders have released Derek Carr. This sure. is not a shocker. Sure. And they're getting nothing for him, which is what you basically predicted, I don't know, with 95% certainty weeks and weeks and weeks ago. 
Yeah. Uh, this is this is go- this was going to be the conclusion unless something crazy changed along the way, and nothing changed. They had one team apparently interested. One team had agreed to his compensation, which is the requirement to talk to Derek Carr to negotiate with him, which is perfectly within the Raiders' rights, and it's perfectly within Derek Carr's rights to say, no, I don't want to go there. And because there wasn't a whole lot of interest necessarily, there was no real pressure to do a deal, and Derek Carr was apparently asked to take a pay cut and said, no, I'll, I'll turn that trade down, and we can just move forward. And once that happened, once he said no, he then followed up and said no to all trades, said I'm not going to accept any trade at this point because I want to negotiate where I'm going to go and what contract I'm going to get. And then at the, from that point on, which was essentially you know 48 hours ago that we knew that for 100% certainty, this was just the inevitable conclusion that was going to happen. But this was the most likely scenario all along. His release creates uh, just about $30 million of cap space. They'll carry $5.625 million in dead money, which is virtually nothing compared to what is the norm around the league. Most teams carry... Yeah. Dead money. Who was the who was the recent quarterback who left behind like it was like forty plus million dollars in, in dead cap money? I'll have to I'll have to look it up. I can't remember. Trying to ask head. questions that you don't know the answer yeah. to. Again, like yeah, really. there you go. Right. Uh, yeah, and so I, I also I, I wanted to point this out because now that this conclusion has happened, I, there's a quote from Derek that he said to me um, last Thursday. Uh, was was last Thursday now? Uh, two Thursdays ago, I guess, when he did that quarterback challenge when. Uh, you know, to, he, to you or Ryan Clark? To me. Okay. He, he only made a joke to Ryan Clark. Why we talked for like 12 minutes. That was, a, that was a sick burn, though, with Ryan Clark. It was. It really wasn't. I and still then, don't get I, why it was a sick burn. Know. And then I asked Derek about it. I said, did you plan that? And he said, no, just kind of one of those things that comes to you. Um, but he said during that, during that sit-down that he said, you know, I've, I've come to – and I, wish I've, I almost wish I would have made a bigger deal of this quote in my story instead of putting it kind of later in the story, but – he said he is, you know, through this process, he has finally come to accept that it's not, you know, it, it, the knock on your ego that you're not traded, that you're released instead. Like, that was part of what he said. He said, that when this process started, I thought I'd have to get traded just because it looks better. And he's like, I'm not really concerned about that anymore. And so I think that was kind of telling and the writing on the wall of, hey, he's at a point now where he's, He's he's not only accepting being released, like he's kind of pushing for it almost, uh, that he was okay with it and that he wasn't at the beginning of this process. So I thought that was very interesting and telling. Um, and now we're at that time where he's not, and he's made this decision. He could have, if his ego called for it, which he said it did in the beginning of the process, he could have taken the trade just to take the trade and said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take this trade because I want right, to be traded, not released. That would be dumb on his Which part. would be very dumb. And he said from an ego perspective, he came to the – Give me the acceptance that it was okay. So a lot more on Derek Carr. Both the organization and Camp Carr have released statements. I, I don't know why. I, 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 it's a nine-year breakup. I guess I'm just so desensitized and, and players move on. I, I, I don't know. I, like the, the, I guess it's a big deal, but we need statements. We'll have the statements. We're getting ready for UNLV taking on San Jose State. We're coming back to the Thomas and Mac here on a Tuesday. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Pass stolen by McCabe. It goes to Gilbert. Keyshot in the lane. Keyshot double clutch. No good. Rebound to Justin Webster. Webster throws it out top to McCabe. McCabe in the lane. McCabe a floater. No good. Rebound to Anderson. And the Rebels foul with 12 seconds to go. 
You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. Good. We did this all show. Pretty much. Right. Little Barry White coming back. Why not, right? Good enough. You're very romantic. Very. Yeah. We know that over there. <laughs> Look at him laughing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamal Williams is here with us. Happy Valentine's Day, Coach. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, it's, it's a day that we got to play a game, so we don't get to celebrate that. Much, right? <laughs> get the you don't have to play the other game. Yeah. Because you got to get it done on this day. Absolutely. With your mate or else. But but if you're working, yeah, you know, we have to we have to postpone it. Hopefully winning is your Valentine this year. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll get a pass. I think I can push it till Friday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So the highlight on the way back was the end of the San Jose State game. And San Jose State has become a, a dangerous team. They got you guys up there, and we're going to break that game down in just a couple of minutes. But Jamal Williams is here with us, one of the assistants for UNLV as uh, the Rebels get ready for a game tonight, trying to get things going you know, back in the right direction and really – now the fight is to make sure you get off that first day of the Mountain West Conference Tournament and try to be the five seed if you're going to do anything, right? You don't want to have to play all those games uh, in a short period of time. But let, let's go back to what happened on Saturday because San Diego State was impressive, uh, probably a little more impressive than they were here. The home crowd helps, and we were just talking about it. A lot, a lot of what happens down there is momentum. They get really confident. The crowd gets behind them, and you just see teams kind of look around and are like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, they jump on you, and then they feed off the energy, and you have to kind of weather that storm um, with they create with just that energy, the crowd jumping around, the student section, you know, having a full house. They they use it to their advantage and try to get you sped up and you know, try to get, take some quick shots, and then they try to capitalize on it with their own offensive possessions, making threes, or trying to get dunks, and then they get that and it just keep building from there. From there. Well, how how is the – I guess how can you prepare for an environment like that, for a situation like that where you know a team's going to try to jump on you? Is there a way that you can kind of come out differently or do you just have to do what you do and, and hope that it kind of works early? I think you do what you do and try to have a little, a little patience and, and focus on execution, right? You come down and weather the storm of their energy um, by having good possessions, right? Not trying to speed things up because now, you know, a missed shot by you turns into an opportunity for them and they, they get a bucket and they just kind of keep going from there. Um you know, we, we took some quick shots and we kind of fed into it. And then, you know, we, we missed some defensive assignments that led to us giving up them giving up dunks for them, and that just kept feeding into their crowd's energy. I've, I've mentioned this phrase a lot, but I, I, I talked to, uh, you know, a coach early on when I was kind of, you know, in the, in the basketball world, and he said, everybody starts screaming, call timeout, call timeout, call timeout. Like, no, get a stop and get a basket. Like, yeah. that's all you can do. And it's so easy and simple, but, like, sometimes that's all it takes, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, like, you look at the early start of the game, we they jumped on us, got the dunk. Um, they hit a shot, hit a jump shot, and he's like, "Okay." We got it to six, eight, six, and we had opportunity on the kick out three for Luis Rodriguez, and we just happened to miss it. If he makes that shot, it makes eleven eight or makes a nine eight, and now it's kind of like even ground, and we just kind of be patient and try to like not overdo things and try to think, take things upon ourselves, try to be heroes in, the, in that moment. On this show, we we talk about big v small all the time, and how college basketball is changing. To you know, a lot of programs have a you know one in and, and four out. You got to have shooters. Outside, And I wonder, as the conference moves forward here and teams are trying to compete with San Diego State and Boise, what do you do big v small? Can you force San Diego State to actually go small because they got a rotation of like four guys at the big spots? I guess you really have to shoot the hell out of it. Yeah, you would have to. I mean, we would need 
you know, obviously EJ to continue to shoot the ball at the hot streak that he's been going. Um, Keyshawn to get some good looks. We need Luis Rodriguez or Justin Webster to contribute and kick in on both those guys. If they hit shots, then now we do make you go small because we're knocking down three-point shots. So we need a third guy to really step up and start knocking down some threes at a consistent rate for us to force that type of uh, change in their lineup. Jamal Williams was one of the assistants for the Rebels. You know, the guy you left out who's starting to become a pretty reliable three-point shooter, probably making, you know, one, one and a half a game, is Shane Noel who you're very familiar with, and we can talk about his story. And every time I mention his name now, you know, people smile. Curtis Terry's on the broadcast, and Curtis comes on with us, and Curtis is a Pacific Northwest guy. It's, it's such a cool story. And, you know, John Sandler calls the games, and I'm on the broadcast as a sideline guy. John was saying, he's like, how often do you see a guy who's like 100% a DMP at the beginning of the season? And now you look at the lineup, and you're like, where's Shane? Like, you got to get 15, 20 good minutes to Shane, not only offensively, but he's a guy who essentially can cover 5-1. to one. Yeah, I mean Shane is Shane is a unique story. I mean, obviously my relationship with him goes back to um, when he was in the sixth grade. I actually coached with his father before he passed um, at Garfield High School, and then got a chance to know Mike Noel, you know, very well, and and was working with him, and then got to know Shane at that young age. And coached his older brother Jalen, and so um, seeing Shane kind of progress and go through his process, I actually coached him at AAU as well, and so watching him grow. I think when he first got here this year. Um, it was still like kind of like he was a freshman again, right, because he didn't get that much of a playing experience at Arizona. And he kind of went through still having some freshman growing pains early in the season. And, you know, one thing about Shane is he stayed consistent in the gym. He stayed consistent with his routine of getting up in the morning. You know, we come in and we're here in Mendenhall, and he's in there getting up, you know, lifting weights or he's in there getting shots up, and he just stayed consistent because he stayed consistent. And he grew up. You know, he started, his practices started becoming better. He started doing the things that we started asking him to do. And as he continued to grow through over the course of those practices in this year, he finds himself now being a big contributor, and we need his size and his ability to shoot the ball and be able to p- ability to pass the ball. I mean, we tease him about a pass that he made the other day. Um, I tease him about his vision and his imagination from the basketball. It's like he threw a pass at the corner behind the big man to Justin Webster on a bounce pass. Like, Shane, how did you see that? Like, what in your world, what in your mind, how did you formulate yeah. that that situation was going to happen? Yeah. And that's Shane. I mean, that's who he's always been since I've known him. He's ever been, always been able to pass the ball and have this great basketball imagination to see things kind of progress way before it happens. I just wanted to mention one more pass. There was another one. I think he was, I think he was going. Uh, he's at the free throw line, um, maybe off a, a pick, and he was going to his left to the left elbow. And I don't know how he. There was a big. I think it might have been Milwaukee. It might yep, have been yep, Vic, yes, it was. But big, he yep. like he. I don't even know how he got the pass out. It was like his arm like stretched out and then threw it back that way. It yeah. Was freaking. I'm like, damn man, how you just saw it through another guy. Yeah, that's that's that is him. And sometimes we, you know, he throws those passes at practice. And like Shane, come on now, like because it doesn't always work out the way <laughs> right. he wants it to. Right. But I give him the credit for having the confidence to try those passes and try to execute them and try to fit the ball in spots that you know normally people wouldn't try to would take that risk of doing. Well, uh, ask you about uh, Keyshawn Gilbert and his uh, his development this year. He was a guy last year that I feel like would come on the floor and you'd say, "All right, something's going to happen. It might be good, it might be bad, but like something's going to happen." And there's still a little bit of that in his game. But how much stri- strides has he made that you've seen since you've been here of of being just a guy that can make plays and kind of eliminate some of those negatives? I think this is you know watching his confidence grow right as a basketball player, um, being secure in, in who he is and what he brings to the table. Um, yeah, you're right. He is going to do some. Some things that you'd be like, Keyshawn, why'd you do that? But he also going to have some great moments where he's, you know, driving down the lane, getting and ones, jumping into people, and, and creating opportunities to score, but also getting his teammates involved as well. And, he, you know, he still brings that defensive prowess to the floor to where he is um, aggressive and tenacious. And, you know, he's harnessed his, you know, having foul issues, right? Like, you know, we, if you watched him last year and 
earlier this year, he would get a couple quick ones because he's too aggressive. So he's just maturing as a basketball player, and you know he's just going to keep growing and developing from where he is now. Um, and as he continues to get more reps and games, you mentioned the N ones. Like he's as good as, I, as I've seen around in a while at finishing through contact and getting that foul, drawing it, and scoring. Is that is that a natural thing, or is that something you can work on? I think we, you know, he credits Coach Kruger. I seen an interview he did early in the year about the Mikes and stuff like that. I think it's just really a, a fact of body control and being able strong enough to finish. Like he he always brags about. Uh, he's about 185, 190. I tell me it's 150. But <laughs> hey, man, he 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 he's really a strong kid and. You know, he's, he's matured as a young man, and that helps him be able to jump into bigger guys and take that contact and be able to still concentrate and focus on the basket and put the ball in the hole. So looking ahead, and we'll get to San Jose State here in a second, looking ahead at, at roster building, uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, who stays around, who you guys are bringing in. I think there is a good chance that you, you'll, you'll have a more of a true center and then a power forward who might be a little undersized, right? Because yep. you have Whaley coming in, who's a Juco, is probably 6'5", 250. Um, I certainly think Keyshawn Hall can play that and be a stretch for. I want you to talk about the, the league and how good those guys have been. I mean, you're one of those guys. We're talking about guys who are carrying 240, 250 or more, but they're not 6'11". Right. But they're hard to defend. You no, know, I mean, those guys with their ability that they have, those two that you mentioned with Whaley and, and Keyshawn Hall, like the, you see it in the games when Hall had the success. Teams are trying to figure out how to match up with them, right? Because like, he can't shoot the ball. He can't do the ball. And he's quick enough to where he can get angles to get to the basket and, and move people out the way. Um, I think that Whaley's going to bring that same type of um, skill set to the table, right? He, he can post up with his back to basket. He's actually a really, really, really good passer out the post. I think that's one of the, his skills that kind of gets overlooked. It's like he really, you know, he went to watch him practice. It's like, man, he can really pass the ball and, and back down to the post and find the shooters on the weak side. Um, so, you know, as we kind of recruit, we are going to have to get a big a big center, right? We're going to have to get a big guy that can kind of go in there and clog the paint and, and block some shots and be a present at the rim, but also uh, have some guys that are skilled enough to be, like, interchangeable in different positions to where we can get all these guys on the floor and use their skills and see if we can create some natural problems, like kind of like similar to, like, a San Diego State, right? They, they yeah. do that same thing, throw guys out there that are, you know, pretty big but small at the same time that can do multiple things that cause you to have to – either figure out how you're going to guard it or switch some things. I like the options that New Mexico presents, you know, on the offense because you've got a day that really wants to be a little closer to the basket. Alex good enough that he can face from, from 15. And the other thing, um, both it sounds like both Whaley and what we've seen from Keyshawn Hall eventually could be zone busters in the middle of the zone. You guys have a really unique situation where essentially you have a 6'3 guy <laughs> in EJ. Yep. Who he's, I mean, he's great at the free throw line. He can pass out of it, but he's actually been pretty good when teams try to go 2-3 against you guys. No, he's been great. I mean, we talked about all times, like, EJ, you just slow down, right? If you catch the ball in the middle and you just don't get rushed knowing that there's two people behind you and there's three guys in front of you, you can find the gap, and he's been able to kind of knock down that jump shot. With those guys, you know, Whaley, I think he'll be able to catch in the middle, A, carve off space and make a path to where you can pass it um, as we work through that, those, uh, those skills and that technique of doing that against the zone, but then also being, you know, just an exceptional passer of getting guys the ball. Um, Keyshawn Hall is also the same thing. Like, you know, we want to get guys that are skilled and be able to make plays but also be able to score and have the confidence to do both. Where, where's Keyshawn Hall in his uh, defensive development? We're working. <laughs> We're working every day. I think that, you know, it, that's the hard part about it is, like, you know, he, he does go against fives, but every now and then he wants to play the four, and it's like, okay, you understand that in this league, those fours are going to dribble. They're not necessarily going to be out there just standing and, and, and leaning up against you the whole time. You're going to have to move your feet and close out with your feet hand down, hands up 
and your feet ready to move and, you know, be ready to slide. And so he's had some, some struggles with that a little bit, but, you know, he's continued to work hard at it. And, you know, as time goes on, he'll, he'll get, get better at it. Let's talk San Jose State because I think you're going to see a lot of the same stuff that you saw in matchup number one. And this year has been about adjustments. I think people have done a pretty decent job adjusting against you guys and trying to find a way to throw over top of the defense and get threes. And San Jose was one of the first teams where Omari Moore going to his right and then throwing across to the corner to Gorner really became something in that game. Man, Moore is really good. Like I, I, he, that's – He's not Brandon Clark, right? Because he, he was very you know, underexposed when he was at San Jose. But this kid, he's a professional basketball player somewhere. Yes, he is. No, you know, it is my scouting, and I've watched plenty of game film, and he's playing with a lot of confidence right now, right? He, he is, um, in my opinion, a guy that has a real good chance of being a professional basketball player and, you know, playing in the NBA and, and you know, and beyond if that uh, doesn't work out. But he is talented. Him going to his right is hard, you know, with his size, being able to get to his spots and stand tall and uh, be able to finish over top of guards is a unique skill. And then, you know, um, over the last couple of games, he's been shooting the ball about a 45% clip from the three-point line. Um, so that makes him really dangerous because he's knocking that out, which was one of the things early in the season where people spoke about when you do your scouting reports, it's like, okay, they didn't believe that he was a great three-point shooter. But he's really worked on that, and he's really shot it with a lot of confidence. And so we're going to have to really you know, try to keep him from going on, getting his right hand strong side, and then try to take away a three-point shot, right? Um, we got burned by Anderson and uh, – Tibet in the, the the first round, you know, try to take away some of those looks. Between the two of those guys, they hit six threes. And so we got to try to take that away and try to make them guys put the ball on the floor. This might be a stupid question, but how do you just force someone? You're not going right. That's it. But how do you do that? I think it's just about being, having a conscious uh, mind when you're closing out and sitting on his right hand. And, and you know, he's going to try to go right. You know, that's what that is coming. Um, you got to just try to defend and move your feet without fouling and just kind of put your, what, your body in the way. Uh, use our big guys, try to corral him a little bit and try to, you know, have a strong presence and make him give the ball to Diallo and, and see if he, he can make the next pass. And, you know, we just got to put a really concentrated effort on it as a group and say, okay, we're going to make the others have to do make plays, try to beat us and not let it be in his hand and um, let him close it out. Jamal Williams with us, uh, UNLV assistant. All right, last one. So EJ Harkless has become the alpha, right? I mean, he's, uh, he's just been on fire. He wants to go get points. He's got a complete game, you know, all, all over the floor. The effort is out there to recruit the, the next guy, right? And not a one-year guy, but have a guy here for two and three years. And you may have landed one, not to put pressure on the kid, but he certainly can score in high school. Tell people about Brooklyn Hicks, who, again, is another Pacific Northwest guy, uh, how big he is and, and how he's scoring so much. Um, Brooklyn is a 6'4 athletic wing guard who can um, fly and really do things really well in transition, right? Brooklyn excels on a defensive end low with long arms and great anticipation, getting out in the lanes and – uh, causing havoc, and then, you know, he's really, really tough in transition to be able to stop because um, he is explosive and finishing over top and, and dunking the ball. Um, one of the things I've, I've been impressed with, and I've known Brooklyn for quite a while, and his family, is that he's been shooting the ball from three-point really, really well um, this school year. Uh, and then he's, you know, putting the ball on the floor and hitting mid-range jumpers. So I think with his activity um, on the defensive end and him being able to knock down threes and, then, you know, his, his effort of trying to, you know, he's tenacious about getting to the rim and finishing and um, he's, that's what's been able to help him score at a high clip at this high season, which is crazy because I've, I coach high school basketball in Washington for 10, 10 to 11 years. And over that course of that time, guys have not tried to score that many points. I've seen him in number, some of the numbers he put up 
I'm like, wow, Brooklyn got 40 tonight. Oh, Brooklyn got 36. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen guys, you know, my, some of my better players and that I've better NBA players, they only average like 18 to 20 points a game. Like, Brooklyn's pushing every single night to try to get 30. And I'm like, that's impressive. And, you know, just it's good to see him push himself to try to, to, try to be exceptional at scoring the ball this year. We got a uh, question of the day on the show today. It's always something pretty stupid. Uh, we're big food guys, as you can tell. Adam sent me a top 100. 100? Top 100. A top 100 list of cheeses. Like if, you know, omelet or a burger, and you can have any cheese. Like, what's Jamal Williams getting? I'm going pepper jack. All right. It's a good choice. There's only one wrong answer. There Every is, answer is right except is, for one. Are we sure it's wrong? It's wrong. Because I don't like it either. American cheese is trash. No, I'm not going American. <laughs> it's trash. It's the worst. I feel like American cheese is a child's cheese, and then once we all become adults and you're making a little money, you're like, I'm not doing that again. I didn't, I didn't like it the first time 100%. around. 100%. Yeah, pepper no. Jack. All right. Pepper, that, I'm going Pepper Jack. You that's know, a, that was a strong selection, Coach. If I'm going to get an omelet, you know, a little bit of spice, a little bit. You know, oh, I like it. A little kick to it. it. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They are in every break of the game, every second on this team. We tear ourselves and everyone around us to pieces for that inch. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Now, back to Coalfield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mack. I mean, you can't do this. Keep it going. You want to do Lionel Richie and I'll do Diana Ross? Listen, folks. I don't you know. think I know this song. What? Endless Love? Crank uh, it up. We have, we have a little time left. I know Crank the chorus. Ready? I, I just don't know this part. Come on up. Probably run out of time. Damn it. I always want the hook in there, Ari. I know you're a DJ. So we, we back up on Valentine's Day. We back up the Al Pacino speech, which was led into by Serena Williams. And I pointed out yesterday, that is tough to put into a commercial on Serena's part. I don't expect her to be Pacino, but then when I played Pacino, I mean, our vast sound crew pulled it earlier today. I was like, man, I forgot how good this speech is. And then we back it up with, I think it's a top five duet of all time. I, I have a couple of lists I got to put out. Um, my top, I'll do a top 12 national anthems at the Super Bowl. Okay. I got to do a little more research and we'll see if Stapleton makes it because I think he was good. Uh, but I, I also might have to do top, 10 duets of all time. So, Diana Ross and Lana Richie are pretty good. Islands in the Stream? You know, that is probably my top five. It's from The Office, so. I mean, you feel it. Yeah. You feel it. And, you know, poor, poor Kenny's gone. Dolly's still here, though. He still got it. It was Jim, Jim and Michael, I think, did it. Why not? <laughs> Why not? 
This is good. I mean, that's you know, endless love. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's that could be a male male duet. Sure. Same thing with Allen's in the stream. Yes, yes, yes. Now the problem is when I show up at karaoke with your friends and they're younger, and I start doing stuff like this. They're like, "Who is this old yeah, guy?" What are you doing? Like bringing down the house with these like w- sad songs. Well, it's like we'll do like a like a neo hit. Yeah. Be like, oh, we're going old school. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. going old yeah, school yeah. right now. I and come in like, with something from Dean Martin, 1974. Like, what what happened? 66. Yeah. What is this, what is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're taking it back. We're going back to 2008. You're like, nah, we're going to the 60s. So crazy. So happy Valentine's Day, to everyone out there. Um, I was looking at the commercial list. We're going to build on this with uh, Darren Millard who's coming up in a couple of minutes. Um, so Serena's actually finished bottom five. Like, people hated that commercial. I didn't think it was terrible. I people don't did not, did not like it. Actually, the worst ranked commercial, surprisingly, is something about Vegas. Al Pacino. I'd like, you know what? We should do a list on top ten most inspiring coaches in movies. Okay. Pacino would probably make it. Lou Brown, how about, how Lou about, Brown number one. Yeah, inspiring in a way. Uh, commercials, TV, or movies. You want Ted Lasso in it? Inspiring in a different way. Yeah. I Not a so. fire and brimstone coach. No, he, but he's very like he knows what he's doing. He gets the guys ready. Seems like it. I haven't watched it, and uh, I think I watched the first six episodes. I have not. I cannot get back into it. I, I know. I will stop right now, by the way. I got to do it. I'm going to be – well, I have to be – because if you're going to talk about TV, I have to be careful of what I say now. I am furious about All-American. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> coming back furious. with Darren Millard. Giveaway right now, though. 364-1100-364-1100. We got two tickets to one of the sessions of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Also got a VIP pack that you're going to qualify for. But right now, your chance to win the uh, tickets for the Men's Mountain West Conference Tournament. 364-1100. Caller number seven. You can get your uh, tickets here at the Thomas & Mac by going through the MW.com slash 2023. The tournament is March 5th to the 11th it's always a great time and you know you got five or six you know really good teams hopefully UNLV is going to be up there in the top five or six and can make a run to at least the semifinals this year but we got a pair of tickets right now three six four eleven hundred follow the guys on twitter at steve cofield and at adam hill lvrj or tweet the show at cofield and co bottom of the circle stevenson in front score the extra point is good for william carrier 7-2 Golden Knights, 4-17 to go. The Ducks have completely fallen apart. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. We got a lot going on today. We got TV, movie, coach talk. Crank it up. Valentine's Day with Firehouse. Favorite cheeses. What's your love of a lifetime of cheeses? Darren Millard's with us. Hey, Darren. What's up, fellas? A whole lot. A whole lot. What do you want to get into? Because we got a bunch of stuff on the table here. Um, we were just talking about inspiring TV, you know, movie, even commercial coaches could be playing someone real. I mean, Bruce Cassidy's pretty inspiring. But do you have, do you have a movie character or, or someone who played like Herb Brooks? That was super inspiring. Yeah, well, he did a great job uh, playing Herb Brooks uh, uh, during that movie. We we see the the uh, scenes on on the jumbotron and the nitron uh, all the time. I always liked uh, the the sitcom Coach, though, and it wasn't based on anybody <laughs> real. 
but uh, but I love that show and uh, and and coaching a college football team. Uh, that that had some legs to it. It did. Probably not his best uh, best most inspiring coaching role though, because he was the coach and all the right moves with Tom Cruise, and he was a, just a mean bastard. Um, right. But but he inspired you to get angry at him. My, my problem with coach Darren is. He was actually a pretty good coach, good recruiter. Uh, brought in some, you know, Bo Whitley when he got him to play quarterback. They won a, won a national championship. That was good recruiting. But he was so bad at hiring assistant coaches. I mean, Luther was an idiot. Dahmer had no idea what was going on. Like, hire some better coaches, man. Well, you're right. Uh, Luther was amazing. Like, he, I think he was dumb like a fox, though. I think I think Luther could bring it uh, if, if push came to shove and. You, you just underestimate him. Dauber, like, there was no helping Dauber. He was like the uh, Moose from, from Archie. They're just this, you, you wonder how, how Moose got the, uh, the, the good date, but uh, it, there, there was something uh, else going on. I don't know how Dauber hung around there. Yeah, it was uh, it's bizarre. And by the way, I can I can't find the show anymore. Like it's got to be on somewhere. I got to watch it. It's a great show. I've seen it in a long time. Uh, we are in, we're actually talking about more important things though uh, on the show today, Darren. And that's cheese. Um, we have the hundred top cheeses list. So first of all, we need to know your your number one cheese. I don't know. I like I, honestly, I, I I know about three cheese varieties. Okay. Do they give and- you Do they give you options of cheeses? On poutine, or is it always the same kind of cheese? I think it's the same type of cheese. I like a little spicy Havarti, but that's about <laughs> as risky as I get. But the the Havarti. The, that's a good. I choice. like it. It's a good choice. But I was going to say that the I've been saying the only wrong answer to this. There's only one really trash cheese, and it's American cheese. But to you, that's kind of a delicacy, right? It's a f- cheese. Yeah, good point. Uh, I wouldn't know the difference between uh, Canadian cheese and an American cheese to uh, French cheese, to be, to be perfectly honest. I know whether it tastes good on a burger. Uh, I like it on my nachos, and every now and then I'll have cheese and crackers. And my humor is probably as close to really good cheese as there gets, <laughs> which is exhibited by that joke in its, uh, no, like in it. its grand form. I liked it. It made me laugh. I was. I, was, I liked it. Uh, are the Golden Knights just playing really well right now, or are they just well rested? Uh, both, uh, and and I think mentally well rested as well, uh, getting away from from the game for those for those ten days. What I love, and uh, it, what really gives the performance uh, credibility, is they came out and they were back on the road, and they took out a couple of teams that are pretty desperate in their own playoff chases, and then rolled over a team that they should steamroll. Uh, and so all three performances were at the at the highest level, and uh, they've scored first in the last couple of games. They've been way more efficient, uh, leaving their own zone, and they're racking up the offense. The only thing that I'm surprised at, quite frankly, Adam, is that we haven't had somebody go off for like a four-point night or a hat-trick-type performance uh, and and be be plus five uh, in in a game. It's been spread around so evenly that it's approaching bizarre uh, efforts. Uh, you had five different goal scorers against Nashville. Five different goal scorers against uh, Minnesota in St. Paul. You had seven different goal scorers the other night. Uh, there's been a couple of repeat uh, guys finding that over the course of the three games. But uh, to not have somebody just blast off and, and dominate a game uh, is is probably the most uh, surprising thing, which tells me that, that, that that's coming. So we did see, you mentioned a bunch of goal scorers. We saw 
you know, Jack Eichel get a little bit involved? Is that is that a good sign going forward for him? Oh yeah, watching Jack Eichel and the difference between uh, way the way he was handling the puck uh, before the break uh, and the way uh, the confidence uh, is is instilled in him, and he's and he's deking, he's stick handling, he's shooting, uh, he's taking those opportunities. It's night and day. Now, now I'll, I'll, I'll say this. That going into the break, the Rangers game and the Islanders game, uh, more specifically, uh, there was there some trending there. Didn't get anything out of it, but it was, it was certainly moving in the right direction. Uh, coming out, uh, he's been what you expect a, a superstar player to be. And the goal that he scored the other night, like he tried that in the first period on a power play and missed it. It actually came all the way around and out of the zone. And he wasn't happy uh, that, that he missed that shot, but he, he knew it was there uh, on Gibson and went back to it. And to be able to score from that angle, uh, the shot that he has uh, being being a, a, a righty and throwing across his, his body, across the axis, really, and, and throwing it in, it, it's a really hard shot to hit. But he tried it once, which shows he's confident, and he hit it the second time, which means he's, he's found his range. That is Darren Millard from the Golden Knights talking to us each and every week here on Cofield and Company. Uh, we talked about some good. The news on Mark Stone wasn't great, and now nope. you got Logan Thompson go down. Uh, I guess how much of a concern is the Logan Thompson situation? Well, that depends uh, on like if you're talking about goaltending moving forward. Uh, that's up to Aiden Hill and Laurent Brassois to to answer. Uh, Logan Thompson's had a fantastic year. He is in contention. Uh, for the Calder Trophy for the top rookie. You, you can't uh, deny that he has been uh, a really remarkable emergence within the organization. But you've got goaltenders with National Hockey League experience standing behind him, one that uh, came into the year vying for that number one job, and the other who has uh, got a, a, a really good opportunity now that, that he's healthy for the first time, uh, he told us, uh, in his professional career. Uh, this week in 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 Bersois. so uh, they they should be as motivated as they are ever going to be uh, to be able to grab hold of uh, of that and and they can so Logan oh praise this way Logan made it a non-factor this year the goaltending discussion uh, I, I think we would all agree to the different levels of that but uh, but he's done a really good job in. In filling uh, any type of void that was potentially there for for Robin Leonard, well, can Aiden Hill and Laurent Brassois, when he gets his chance uh, to get some starts, do the same thing? If they're good, well, it it lessens the impact of losing your number one goaltender. So uh, uh, there's concern there, but there's opportunity for those two to go out and 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 make good on on what is in front of them, and and so far. I, I loved I loved Aiden Hill's game uh, the last couple of starts, uh, really since uh, the, the, the flip of the calendar uh, when he was taken out of the game against Anaheim uh, just before Christmas, and uh, and he's he's been he's been really effective when he simplifies his puck handling. Uh, that's the only uh, one that I would point to that uh, that you got to fine tune. Uh, if he if he calms that and clears that up, uh, I, I I've been really impressed with his stopping the puck part of it. Darren, we squeezed you a little bit today. Sorry about that. We'll be appreciate the uh, the spot, and Ooh. we'll talk to you next week. Cheese, cheese, <laughs> cheese. Do you exactly. guys like it melted, or do you like it like out of the the wrapper? Every way possible. No wrapper. Yeah, every way possible. No Darren, thank you. See you, boys.